I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week... Our new general manager has commanded us to discuss the episode of NXT that originally aired on October 16th, 2013. In this episode, fights are restarted, friendships are tested, phones Mm -hmm. are stolen, and the fellowship (laughs) breaks. Uh, (laughs) I'll be okay. Welcome to episode 22 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, Rob Van Dam made us feel like we had just smoked that good shit. <laughs> this week, we come back down a little bit, not because the episode was bad, but because it's just not a great one for the concept of friendship. We'll check in with Bob to see how she's doing with that in Bob's breakdown before getting high on the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Then, in another blow to friendship, we have to ring the bell for one of our buds here in NXT. But fortunately, we'll be talking a lot about groups of wrestle friends in the wrestling term of the week. And of course, we finish things off with a friendly game of future trivia in the form of the Cheap Pop Quiz. But first, let's see how Bob did in last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. Once again, we are in our third round of quizzing with a third romance novel bonus episode at stake. Bob has four points. She needs ten. Let's see if she's made any progress. I don't think I did. But maybe I did. (laughs) Question number one. Next episode, we get another change-up in the NXT announce team. What is it? A. William Regal is back, but instead of replacing Alex Riley, he has joined him in a three-man announce team. B. William Regal is back, but so is Renee Young, and this time she's on the team for the entire show, not just the women's match. C. William Regal is back, but now he's in the Tom Phillips, Tony Dawson play-by-play role with Alex Riley on color commentary. D. William Regal is back, but he's calling the whole show by himself. Or E. William Regal is not back, and instead we get the commentary debut of Byron Saxton. You selected the answer C. William Regal is now in the play-by-play role, and that is incorrect. As you know, the correct answer is B. Renee Young is on the commentary team for the entire episode. Happy to be wrong about this. Seriously. Question number two. Who cuts an incredible career-defining promo on the next episode that will define their character on WWE television for years to come? Was it A. Tyler Breeze? B. Corey Graves? C. Sasha Banks? D. Sami Zayn? Or E. Nobody. There are no promos on next week's episode. It's just wall-to-wall wrestling matches for the entire hour. Bob, you very wisely selected A, Tyler Breeze. Unfortunately, that's incorrect, despite being a wise choice. Gotcha on the trick question with this one. It is E. There are no promos on this episode. You really did get me this time. And question number three. Next episode's main event is the long-awaited NXT Championship match between Bo Dallas and Sami Zayn. And I spoiled it just a little bit by telling you it's a very good match that does not end without controversy. Who wins and how? A. Zayn wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then Dallas wins. B. Zayn wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then he wins anyway. 
C. Dallas wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then Zayn wins. D. Dallas wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then he wins anyway. Or E. Zayn wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then Dallas wins, but due to more controversy, the match is restarted again, and then it ends in a draw. Bob, that is the one you selected, the <laughs> one that ended in a draw. As you now know, the correct answer is A, Zayn wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then Dallas wins. So I have now skunked you twice in a row. You have. I gotta say, I gotta say, this is a little bit more how I saw the segment going when we first started. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hopefully next time. Hopefully it's, next time, Bob. This is just going to make victory all the sweeter. That's absolutely right. Well, speaking of things that are all the sweeter, let's get into this episode. Bittersweet episode. Mm. Let's get into Bob's Breakdown. All right, everybody, strap in for just a whole heap of stuff. This is a strangely (laughs) plot-heavy episode of NXT, which I feel weird saying. That's like saying, oh, it's a plot-heavy episode of, like, Law & Order. You're like, no, Law & Order doesn't have a plot. It has a case, and then (laughs) the episode is over. But no, guys, there's there's plot happening. It's interesting because it's all matches, but there's so much storyline advancing going on in the matches. It's a juicy one. We get a package for the Zayn versus Dallas feud currently underway. And, you know, in case we forgot how important this thing is, it's only the main event. How important could it be? I will say Bo Dallas experienced as a clip show is, if anything, more inscrutable and alien. <laughs> Dallas is starting to grow on me in the way that Nick Cage has grown on me. <laughs> like, I'm starting to go, is he secretly a genius? I can't blame you for that. All right. Match one. Most important to say. Renee is on commentary. That's a delight. Yay. Mm -hmm. All right. Now I'll actually talk about the match. Okay. (laughs) It is the Ascension versus Team Halfling Monk and Trash Fay Elf. Team D&D starts off roughing up Rick Victor and then Adrian Neville ends up on the outside. Not totally clear how that happened, but the point is that Corey Graves isn't pleased about that. And Neville (laughs) probably isn't pleased either because when we come back from commercial, Neville is being traded back and forth like a bull of old Toby. (laughs) That was a cut for Miles and like the other people who kind of remember specific parts of Lord of the Rings. Speaking of getting high on that good shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Adrian wriggles away from Connor O'Brien and Tags and Graves, who comes in so on fire that he beats the crotch cape off of (laughs) O'Brien. Neville gets tagged back in and O'Brien drop kicks him right in the shins. Victor is tagged in and Neville is crawling back towards Graves for the tag. But again with the dropkicks ascension, Victor dropkicks Neville from behind, causing Neville to collide with Graves, knocking Graves from the apron and giving Neville a solid thunk to the noggin. I don't like this. I'm worried about it. And then (laughs) Victor tags in O'Brien and they do their team attack on Neville. Neville is then pinned for the count by the python-like embrace of large goth husband, while smaller goth husband looks on proudly. And then Victor grabs the belts back from the referee, like, give those here, blood donor. But guys, it's not over. The camera cuts to a seething graves on the outside. He comes to the ring to yell at Neville for daring to lose because this was our shot, man. No shit, it was your shot. It's a fucking wrestling match. They're always your shot. Okay. (laughs) And then... 
It's like watching Sam apologize to Mr. Frodo. Neville is saying, I'm sorry, and looking forlorn. And some of the crowd is chanting, hug it out. Which These are my people. Bless you, right. my people. And instead of hugs, Graves takes out Neville at the legs and starts punching him in the head. And he's breathing heavily and he flashes his gimmick tattoos at Neville. You're a fucking monster, Corey Graves. You're a garbage monster, you elfin asshole. I love the way this is set up. So Neville is getting his leg worked over the entire match, right? They're attacking his leg, the Ascension arm. And then he finally makes it to Graves, makes the hot tag. Graves comes into the ring, does really well, applies his submission finisher, Lucky 13, to O'Brien. And then Victor comes in and splashes him and breaks up the submission. Now, Graves at this point really hasn't been hurt that much. He just was prevented from winning by Victor coming in. And yet he goes over to Neville, who's still recovering on the apron and like grabbing his knee. Graves tags him in and is like, get in there. And Neville got this look like, what are are you? My leg is still okay. (laughs) I saw that and was so confused. Yeah. So then Neville gets in. He's like hobbling. He's hobbling over to O'Brien He does a couple moves, but they get him down again, and he's kind of going back over to make the tag to Graves. O'Brien knocks him into Graves, and Graves falls off the apron, and then they hit their finisher on Neville and pin him. And while they're pinning him, Graves, it seemed to me like Graves could have slitted and broken up that pin, but doesn't. That's what I thought. This real hypocrisy thing going on, because Graves is blaming Neville for, like, costing them their shot or whatever, when the reality is is that Graves could have not tagged in his clearly injured partner and then clearly could have broken up the pin at the end. So I really enjoy the way that sets up Graves' heel turn because he's acting like such a dick. Yeah. Okay, so my heart's been stomped on. Right. Miles, is the rematch a typical time for a heel turn or might it sometimes inspire a deeper, stronger more passionate relationship between a tag team. I mean, obviously oh, not sure. this time. Well, like we said in uh, the last episode in the wrestling term of the week, the rematch clause almost always results in the champions retaining. When you get your rematch, when you've just lost the title, you get your rematch clause, you're usually not going to win the title back right away. When it mm-hmm. comes to tag teams, it is a good opportunity because what you got is like a tag team that's been on top for a while, right? They've already kind of gotten to the top of the mountain in the tag team division. So maybe, you know, it's a decent time if you want to do this to kind of break them up and send them off their own separate ways in singles competition obviously after feuding with each other first. But there are definitely times where the loss has brought the team closer together and they have stayed in the tag team division and tried to get back to the top of the mountain. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends. But it is a very, it's an opportune time to do this if this is what you're wanting to do. Which, Graves and Neville were single stars in the first place. Match number two, Tyler Breeze versus CJ Parker. Honestly, I don't even care. I'm too upset about the previous match. Also, (laughs) I'm not sure NXT cares about this match that much. (laughs) The crowd's all right with it, but it seems like they've already had this match before. This is just more of the same. And I grant you that it advances the plot a little bit, but it is very much a, yeah, we're going to have pizza for dinner again. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. So Parker starts off well in control, hefting Breeze onto his shoulders and spinning him around. And then Breeze kind of falls off of Parker slumping to the mat. Yeah, that's called the airplane spin. 
it looked a little sloppy at the end. Normally, you're supposed to, like, throw them a bit, aren't you? Not just sort of, like, have them slump off. I mean, it depends what you're doing, but I think the traditional airplane spin is you spin them around until they're dizzy and just kind of drop them because they're dizzy, but... Oh, okay. All right, yeah. not sloppy then. So Parker flips Breeze with an arm twist and acts like he's going to stomp Breeze's face, causing Breeze to curl up. Parker then kicks him in the back. Is Parker showing mercy? I mean, he's on a mission of peace. As they say. Yeah. And you can't kick people in the face for peace. It's not possible. (laughs) Unless they're Nazis. Oh, yeah. Obviously. In that case, absolutely kick them in the face. Kick them everywhere. Don't limit yourself, guys. Yeah. For peace, goddammit. So Breeze doesn't care that Parker is showing that mercy. Yells at Parker, who gives him a solid shove. And once Breeze is in the corner clinging to the ropes for protection, Parker picks up Breeze's legs and lifts him like a hammock before just letting him fall to the mat. It's not looking good for Breeze, but after a particularly big lariat, he yells, stop, stop. And Parker (laughs) does. And Breeze scrambles for the apron, grabbing the ring skirt thing and holding on as Parker hauls him back into the ring. And the ref is distracted, putting the ring skirt, the ring modesty blanket back. That's right. And Breeze uses the opening to gouge a thumb into Parker's eye, drop kick, and then pin Parker for the win. Not technically a drop kick. Although it involves Mm. him flying in the air and using his feet, it is referred to generally as a spinning heel kick. So just FYI. Fancy. Parker, you know, obviously not happy about this. He gets revenge by smacking Breeze in the face and then stealing Breeze's phone to take a bunch of crowd selfies. So some more theft related plot happening. My feelings about Breeze, 30% positive because I'm starting to think of Breeze as a weird Lannister cousin, Tylewin Lannister, the fancy one. My favorite thing about this match is that CJ Parker does not know how to take a selfie. He has the phone the wrong way. Like, it's pointing <laughs> the wrong way. Uh, you know, there's a learning curve with technology. He's been at the commune a long time. That's true. He's like, you might have an Amish thing going on. Yeah, absolutely. He knows the phone is important to Breeze, but he doesn't understand why. Match three, ladies tag team. Paige and Emma, Team Bubblegoth, versus Summer Rae and Sasha, both wearing all of the gold lame that costuming had in stock. Yeah, they look like Klingons from original series Star Trek. It was pretty great. I was very into the outfits. I also <laughs> really love that they did, like, coordinated outfits, whereas Paige and Emma are like, no, no, our thing is that we're Team Bubblegoth. Like, we're very different. It's a yeah. real odd couple. So Bubblegoth is doing well, and the heels are on the run. Summer Ray and Sasha feverishly tag one another in, and in one moment, Summer sprints to Sasha to fling her arms around her and yell at her to save her from these vicious <laughs> cuties. It was so cute. Like, she's slapping Sasha, going, Get in there! Paige wants to get her hands on Sasha because Sasha turned on her after that match, and Emma mm-hmm. wants to get her hands on Summer because Summer dumped bubble solution in her eyes. Yeah! So I like that how that dynamic works where it's like, Paige and Sasha start out the match. Emma wants to start the match, but Paige, even at the beginning, is like, no, I'm starting. I'm I'm the best or whatever. I'm the champion. Yeah. And I want to get my hands on, on Banks. So Paige, like, drops Banks a couple of times, at which point Banks immediately tags out. And then Paige tags in Emma, and Summer's like, nope, nope, no thank you. <laughs> it's almost like actions have consequences. Almost. almost. So the heels gain enough momentum to get Emma in a bad position, which is to say... Having her arms stretched out by the Spanish Inquisition torture devices that are Summer Ray's very long legs. 
Summer Rae tries submission, and it's super effective. <laughs> right up until Emma does a reverse somersault to roll over Summer. And in the background, Paige is pacing on the apron like, come on, get on with this nonsense and let me in, damn it. Like, right. Paige is not impressed or like trying to get the crowd on board. She's just like, get me in there. No, and I like that that goes along with what you were saying about the outfits. Like, Summer and Sasha are clearly a team, and Paige and Emma are clearly two people in a tag team match together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Emma struggles to Paige for that spicy hot tag, which results in Summer Rae getting 10 knees to the face. (laughs) And then Paige goes for a pin that Sasha breaks up, so Emma charges in to save her raven-haired GF, only to get tossed like a very cute salad to the outside. Paige shoves Sasha out after her and is going to get that lanky blonde beauty. But no, it is Paige who is got. Summer grabs her from behind and gets her leg around Paige for her finisher, where she drops her opponent onto their back with her leg adding downward pressure. Yep. Team Mean Girls won. So I guess this is going to be a feud or something. The specific trope that we're working with here is X has pinned the X champion. So what just happened was that Summer got a clean win over Paige. And as a result, you can make the argument that Summer deserves a championship match because she just pinned the champion, even though it wasn't a title match, obviously. And we're still continuing. It seems like anyway, we're still continuing some of the individual feuds between Emma and Summer and Paige and Sasha. And we're also advancing the uh, sort of understated back burner beef between Paige and Emma, you know, because on the last episode, they were kind of bickering with each other. And now it's like Summer got the win in part because there was some confusion when Emma tried to come in and interfere and Paige was distracted by Emma and um, Sasha on the outside. So a lot of moving parts in this one. Ah, okay. I like that you have showed me the many layers this particular cake has yeah there's a there's a lot going on here and i really like that it's it's nice to see a women's division where like even in this sort of like nascent stage of the nxt women's division it's nice to see that there's a lot of different kind of mingling stories going on now it's match number four which is championship time my beautiful golden retriever boy I love him so much, Miles. <laughs> I know. I just want happiness for Sami Zayn in 2013 and also now in 2020. God, right? I know. I want everything for him and he has decidedly not received everything. <laughs> I know. I it. Sami Zayn, you're a treasure. If I could make this world be just to you, I would. Also, oh. Sami Zayn, like, just a super cool, like, if you follow him on Twitter, like, just a really great human being. He's great, guys. He's just real great. So strange alien boy Bo Dallas enters and the crowd is loudly mixed about it right up until the no more Bo chant starts, in which case it's pretty clear which way the wind is blowing. That's just too much fun to chant. Come on now. It is. No more Bo. No more Bo. Sami Zayn is coming on strong. He's got Bo scraping his way out of pin attempt after pin attempt. Bo gets an arm across the face to Zayn, and while Sammy's on his back, he gives him like eight knees to the chest and head to try to get him ready for a pin, but no dice. Zayn comes back strong and throws Bo up over his head to the mat behind him and follows it up with a boot to the snoot and a pin to end it, and he gets the three! Yeah! But Bo's stupid foot was on the rope, which is the cue for John Bradshaw Layfield, who I... I don't want to say hate, but I probably do hate him. He seems like a real pile of turds. He is, yes, in many ways. In this case, he is right. 
Yeah, but they do this stuff all the time whenever the referee doesn't see it. And they're like, oh, well, it counts, though. I know, I know. Why? I mean, I get why, but also why? (laughs) So John Bradshaw Layfield comes out to yell that Bo's foot was on the rope and we're not having a controversial win. The match will start over. Like, go back to your whatever it is you do. (laughs) I can't imagine that he has any hobbies. I feel like he just looks at a landscape painting and drinks coffee and thinks about how great he is. Goes on Fox News and yells about the economy. Ah! That's actually true. Oh, no. (laughs) So is this restarting the match thing? Is this only ever used to give the heel another chance? Like, does the face ever pull a win out of these controversies and restarts? Yes, it has happened before. The dynamic of wrestling that works best, at least in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of promoters, is that you want the baby face to be chasing after the championship belt, which is held by a heel and all these obstacles and weird situations get thrown in their way. Right. So it's like, remember the point is to delay that, that catharsis to, to delay that moment where people get to actually cheer and like be happy. So it usually is a heel benefiting from these situations. I have seen it. Like there's a, um, one notable example I remember is a, a match between CM Punk and the rock from the Royal rumble, is it 2013? It might have been 2013, actually. So CM Punk had been told that um, if the Shield interfered in another one of his championship matches, because they were working for him at the time, basically if he got disqualified because of their interference, he would lose the championship to The Rock. And um, the Shield did come in and cause interference. Vince McMahon came out and was like, all right, Punk, that means you're. Yeah, I have to take the title. And then The Rock got on the mic and was like, no, you're, we're not doing it this way. You don't get to beat him. I do. So restart the match. And they restarted the match and The Rock won. So okay. um, that's a notable example that comes to mind. So it has happened, but it is usually the heel who benefits from that. Because it's always better for the babyface to get that clean, no frills victory. Okay. So here we go again. Dallas is trying to keep Zane locked down, but when he tries to run at him, Zane pulls down the top rope so Dallas tumbles to the outside. Zane follows it up by leaping out to bowl Dallas back to the ground. And then back in the ring, he follows it up by throwing himself across Bo from the top rope. He makes several really strong pin attempts and Bo keeps kicking out, which I know is Bo's thing, but also stop it. The crowd is screaming, let's go, Sammy. And I'm like, yay, yes, go, Sammy. Oh, the crowd is super behind him, yes. Oh, he's so great. Dallas comes back and gets Zane down for a pin attempt, and then another pin attempt. And now the wrestling boot is on the other foot, eh, alien lad? (laughs) And then the match takes on the shape of desperate attempt after desperate attempt from each of them, followed by a pin, or at least a pin attempt. And Zane climbs up the rope, and Dallas knocks it, so Zane gets a crotch shot from the top rope. Dallas still can't pin Zane, though. Maybe Sammy can do it. Maybe it'll be okay. But wait, a turnbuckle pad has come off. Mm. Sammy Zane is wrapped around Dallas in the corner. Dallas lunges through the ropes, bringing Zane to bang his head on the exposed turnbuckle while the ref isn't looking. And Bo Dallas pins Zane for the win. It's two turnbuckle? <laughs> Very reminiscent of how Bo Dallas won the championship. Yeah. And Miles, turnbuckle. Turnbuckle. Mm. That was a real ride, that episode. It was a real ride. What did you think of it overall? There was a lot to digest. 
Yeah. A lot was happening. I wasn't experiencing all of it. Like I didn't see all of those layers to the women's match. I Mm -hmm. tend to see it as very much. What is the thing currently being presented to me and not thinking of the other pieces of string that are sort of related to this, you know, thing that's being woven in front of me. I knew there was a lot happening. It's nice to get to go over it with you and sort of see more pieces of it. Mm -hmm. But man, it was a tough episode because basically every bad thing happened. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, a bit of a come down. More Rob Van Dam. Give me that back. Let's see if this bell ringing here makes you uh, happy or sad, makes this better or worse. I'm not sure. It might be a completely neutral bell ringing because on this episode, we have to ring the bell. For Tony Dawson. Okay. Uh, yeah. Slight positive feelings about that. <laughs> yeah, say goodbye to Tony, as this was his final broadcast appearance before being released from WWE. The official reason for his firing was that the company felt he didn't have a passion for pro wrestling and that he had been surpassed by Tom Phillips, which is true. In his weekly NXT column at the time, Uproxx writer Brandon Stroud speculated that Dawson's commentary during this episode's women's match was what actually got him shit-canned, and frankly, that seems entirely plausible. Yeah. But the lack of passion for wrestling thing could also very much be true, since as far as I can tell, Dawson never worked in wrestling again after this. So, bye, Tony. All right, let's get some positive stuff going on here, Bob. Let's get to the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So, Megan, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? My elf eyes saw a lot of things, but the one that really stuck with me was the tender way that Sasha keeps touching Summer Rae's waist. I just got to be true to myself. (laughs) (laughs) At the end, too, like, uh, because Summer got like, it looked like her lip was bleeding a little bit after this match. And Sasha was very attentive to her. Lady feels. Lady feels. Miles, what did your elf eyes see? (sighs) Okay, so we've talked about turns. We've talked about heel turns specifically and how they work and what they're for. And usually when you're turning heel on your buddy, it's kind of a a sudden thing. You know, you're like you're there with him and then all of a sudden you smack him. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, God, it's out of nowhere. Fucking Corey Graves. (laughs) Corey Graves picks Neville up. And then for his heel turn, he bounces himself off the (laughs) rope. And hits him with that stupid chop block because Corey Graves literally doesn't have any other moves that's not a submission hold or like a punch. That would be super weird if he did it with submission hold. Neville had all day to get out of the way of that. It was the dumbest, slowest, just most ridiculous heel turn I've ever seen in my life. That's what my fucking elf I saw. I am so relieved to hear you say that because even as I was watching it, I was like, this seems very odd. Like, <laughs> I'm willing to suspend my disbelief, but this is this is asking a lot of these belief suspenders. It's like when they were doing the thing with the eight man tag a few episodes ago when like everybody hit their finishing moves on Tyler Breeze and Corey Graves was like, well, I'm going to do a chop block. And now it's like, (laughs) that's also the move I'm going to use to turn on my partner, even though it requires me (laughs) bouncing off the ropes. (laughs) So dumb. Anyway, Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear? My Vulcaneers heard Renee say, I've been very dazzled by Sami Zayn. Oh my God, I heard that too. (laughs) Uh, Are you serious? 
I mean, that wasn't my response to it, but like, I noted that. I wrote it down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she doesn't go into any more detail, but I really appreciate that. I think outside of creative and what they're doing with the story, Renee Young and Sami Zayn have made a choice that they are going to have this sort of on-screen flirtation where they just sort of really enjoy one another. And I like that they have made character choices independently. I'm very pleased with that. Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? Uh, just many reasons why Tony Dawson should have been fired. Mmm. Mainly, like I said, his commentary during the women's match. It's not like Regal and Renee were, like, on fucking subject, like, the entire time either. Like, Regal's talking about, like, some lady named Doris that got elephantitis or something at one point. But, like, yes. but Regal is also, like, he pulls it back in and he knows when to sell the moves that are happening in the match. He's really good at that. And Renee also is doing a good job playing off Regal. Dawson is like, Renee, what does Emma's neon gear mean? What is the women's locker room saying about it? Yeah. Also, Regal completely throws him under the bus the entire match. He's like, why aren't you finishing your point? At one point, Dawson is like, speaking of fashion, and then stops. Yes. And Regal's like, finish your point. What are you doing? When Dawson then asks Renee to comment on the gear the women are using, Regal's like, are you only asking her because she's a woman? Yeah, it was like everybody pile on Tony Dawson about not getting that Renee's job is, you know, not to talk about fashion. Yeah. Oh, that was brittle. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Megan Bob, what did your human heart feel? Okay, I thought that my human heart felt the loss of Sami Zayn, you know, Mm. in that championship match. But as I thought about it, it was actually the betrayal of Adrian Neville that my human heart felt. I have so many fucking feelings. This is a tangent. I have so many fucking feelings about that moment in, I want to say the two towers, maybe return of the King. Whenever, Frodo like abandons Sam because Gollum frames him for eating the Lembus bread. Look, this is a deep cut. I'm sorry, guys. But whenever you wrong a hobbit, that's it. It's over with me. You're a monster. (laughs) And I was so heartbroken that he did that, even though he did it in the shittest, least convincing way. I was like, you have no soul. Whatever is inside of you is a dark force and the forces of Middle Earth must rally to destroy it. One of the only reasons we cared about Corey Graves was because he was friends with Adrian Neville. And now that he has turned his back on him, that guy can go to hell. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That's where I stand on this. So in conclusion, my human heart felt a whole lot. Miles, what did your human heart feel? My human heart felt a great deal of confusion. Toward the finish of the main event. I was just baffled and I had feelings, but I don't exactly know what they are. So we mentioned the turn muckle pad comes off, which allows Bo Dallas to win. What we didn't mention is Bo doesn't take the turn muckle pad off. Yeah. So there's a moment. Sami Zayn has just done a big move on Dallas and attempted to pin him and Dallas kicked out. The camera is tight on Sami's like surprised face because Dallas is still fighting And the referee is nowhere to be seen. We pan back out. The referee is still nowhere to be seen. And Dawson actually mentions the referee isn't watching what's happening in the match. 
and then the referee walks back into the shot, he's been over in the corner where that turnbuckle is. <laughs> And he's clearly loosened the turnbuckle. So what happens is that Dallas and Zayn are wrestling and Dallas like moves Zayn into the ropes. And when the ropes shake, the turnbuckle pad falls off. So it's like, did the uh, the ref loosen the turnbuckle pad? <laughs> That's so weird. And then, and then the reason that Bo is able to use the turnbuckle to his advantage while the ref is not looking is because the ref picks up the turnbuckle pad and is like putting it out of the ring because that's super important right now. And it's like, I don't think this is a plot point moving forward. I'm almost positive it's not. It's just such a weird thing. They were like, how do we get this turnbuckle pad off? The ref will do it. That is so weird. I wondered how the fuck that had happened. Because it was like, it suddenly the turnbuckle pad is just in the shot. And I was going, how? When? Dallas doesn't really cheat. He's just a beneficiary of circumstance. And the referee is over here, like, just randomly checking on the turnbuckle pad when he should be <laughs> watching the match. I don't know what's going on here. In the words of Eleanor Shellstrop, I'm angry and confused. Uh, all right well let's put a lid on our anger and confusion uh, for the time (laughs) being and get to the wrestling term of the week but of course before we can actually get to the wrestling term of the week we have to hear bob's fanfic explaining last episode's wrestling term of the week which was rematch clause so bob take it away No, I'm afraid that's quite final, ladies and gentlemen. Buffy Summers has reclaimed the championship title of Primary Slayer from Faith, Giles commented. Mm. Faith looked livid, her chest heaving wildly and eyes aglow with hatred for Buffy, who was on her knees holding the belt to her chest. Faith ran up behind Buffy to knee her on the back of her head and then fell on top of her, raining blows down on Buffy while Buffy kicked furiously. Willow ran out from backstage and pulled Faith off before delivering a snapdragon suplex, pulling Buffy to her feet and helping her out of the ring. And with that, Giles intoned, I suspect that rematch clause will be put to use next week. Faith grabbed the mic. I don't care if Buffy keeps that stupid title. She's welcome to it. What I care about is that Buffy knows that no matter how hard she works, no matter how hard she tries, she will never be as tough or as dominant as Faith Lahane. It's a short one this week. I like it. I like it. It was good. It's nice that uh, Faith didn't really care about the rematch clause because she probably knows that it usually doesn't matter. You just lose that match anyway. You know, it's meta in that sense. Thank you to Jennifer Jordan for these fanfic characters. I really appreciate it. I always love whenever you guys give me your fanfic character suggestions. I am looking forward to working more of them in. I have quite a list to work through, but I am always taking more. Get at me on Twitter at Megan Bobness. Well, thank you for that fanfic, Bob. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Jennifer Jordan, for those characters. It is now time for this episode's Wrestling Term of the Week. And uh, like I mentioned at the beginning... We're going to talk a little bit about friends and groups because the wrestling term of the week is stable. Yay, horses. Sadly, neither a fixed condition nor a place where you find horses. Uh. In wrestling, a stable refers to an alliance between three or more characters who share the same goals and work together as a team, often coming to the ring together, interfering in each other's matches, and using their numbers to overwhelm their opponents. This term 
isn't necessarily going to be important for the very next episode of NXT, but moving forward, we're going to start seeing more stables rise and fall in the promotion, so it's good to provide some context for the idea. So far, we've seen two stables already during our coverage of NXT. The Wyatt family, who have now moved on, and Sylvester LaForte's Legionnaires. Mm. Both of these groups share a crucial element for a stable. They have clearly defined leaders. Mm. Leaders with different roles, certainly. Bray Wyatt is the primary wrestler of the Wyatt family, while LaForte is nearly always a manager, but still very clearly the person who does the talking and makes the decisions on behalf of the group. The presence of a leader is what differentiates a stable from a faction, which is a similarly aligned group of wrestlers without a clear leader. The Shield, for example, is a faction, as was the alliance between Adrian Neville, Corey Graves, and Cassius Ono. Additionally, stables tend to be groups of heels, as the idea works extremely well in terms of a hero attempting to overcome a villain and his minions, or to put it another way, the sub-bosses you have to fight your way through before you can take on the main boss. Groups of babyfaces, on the other hand, tend to be factions built around mutual respect rather than a strict hierarchy. Stables are a time-honored tradition in wrestling. The group that popularized the idea in America was the Four Horsemen, which was Ric Flair's group of heel wrestlers. The Horsemen provided the blueprint for future stables in the United States, Ric Flair was the leader and the guy wrestling for the championship. Tully Blanchard was a step beneath him and usually wrestled for secondary championships. And Arn and Ole Anderson were the tag team who wrestled for the tag team championships. One ah. thing this allows you to do is put every title on a member of the heel stable, giving them the perception of dominating their promotion. Other examples from older wrestling include the Fabulous Freebirds and the Hart Foundation. During the Attitude Era, you started seeing a lot of larger stables with tons of people in them, including Degeneration X, the Corporation, the Ministry of Darkness, the Nation of Domination, and of course, the New World Order, a heel group that infamously got so big and dominated their promotion so thoroughly that it ended up sinking World Championship Wrestling because they basically never suffered any major defeats and every match turned into a gigantic brawl. Yeah. In later years, Triple H's stable, Evolution, generally followed the Four Horsemen format, possibly because Ric Flair was also part of that stable, and JBL had a similarly structured stable called The Cabinet. In modern NXT, the Undisputed Era follows the Four Horsemen format exactly, and until recently did in fact hold every men's championship in NXT at the same time. Mm. But the place where stables and factions are taken to their logical extreme is Japan. Most notably, Yay. New Japan Pro Wrestling, where basically everybody is part of a group and the primary source of drama is the faction warfare, the shifting loyalty of group members, the dissolution of old groups, and the formation of new ones. The most famous Japanese heel stable is the Gaijin stable known as the Bullet Club, whose cast of characters have included, among many others, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, The Young Bucks, and Hangman Adam Page. <gasps> they were heels? They were heels. Now, of course, those five are collectively known as the Elite, and it is no coincidence that the promotion they founded, All Elite Wrestling, is also all about that faction warfare. Oh, all right. That helps me understand why it's different. It's not wildly different, but it is different. So that was your wrestling term of the week, and make sure to come back next episode for Bob's fanfic explaining that very term. And now, Bob, we've reached the end of our time, but of course we can't go 
until we have completed the cheap pop quiz. All right. So question number one. Next episode, we get yet another changeup in the NXT announce team. I can't handle this. <laughs> Which member of the main roster who we've met before joins Tom Phillips and Alex Riley this time? Is it A, Bray Wyatt? B, Big E Langston? C, Rob Van Dam? D, Brodus Clay, the member of Tons of Funk who is also a talking head on Fox News? Or E, Tensai, the member of Tons of Funk who is not a talking head on Fox News? What? <laughs> I just can't even imagine, like, why they would have any of these people on. Like, I mean, they're fun, some of them, but right. what? <laughs> I want it to be Rob Van Dam, but I probably, just to use a smidge of logic, he probably doesn't stick around to do commentary. Okay. Bray Wyatt seems like he would be too wild. Okay, Big E Langston was on commentary that one minute. All right, fine. Big E Langston. Big E Langston. All right, question number two. Next episode also marks the debut of a brand new NXT character with strong real-life ties to a current member of the NXT roster. Is it A, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn's real-life best friend and long-standing wrestling frenemy? B. Lana, the ravishing Russian who would go on to become Rusev's wife, both on TV and in reality. C. Carmella, who debuts by hanging out with Enzo and Cass, and who in 2020 is still inexplicably dating Corey Graves. D. Paige's real-life brother, Zach Zodiac. Or E. Sasha Banks' real-life cousin, Snoop Dogg. God, it would be awesome if it was Snoop Dogg. Kind of don't think that's Probably likely. <laughs> Although, give that to me, please. I want that. He did play her to the ring at WrestleMania once. Oh, that's so fucking cool. It was pretty great. I know, like, two things about Kevin Owens, and I am ready for Kevin Owens to be in my life. So, I am choosing Kevin Owens. Okay. And question number three. As Bo Dallas continues to be a thing from beyond in human form... <laughs> he cuts another backstage promo on the next episode, announcing that he's taking a well-deserved vacation. Which of the following does he not say as part of this promo? Oh, boy. A, he says he will still be wrestling, despite being on a vacation from his job, which is wrestling. B, he refers to his vacation as the Bo Dallas versus the World Tour. C, he promises to get Sami Zayn a souvenir from every country he goes to because he knows Sami hasn't had the chance to travel that much. <laughs> D, he says Konnichiwa is Japanese for goodbye. Or E, he claims he's going to make a special stop in Bolivia to deliver 10,000 squirt guns to starving children. Oh, God. <laughs> uh... All of these are true except one. But they all sound so plausible. <laughs> well, that means I did a good job. What does C? C is he promises to get Sami Zayn a souvenir from every country he goes to because he knows Sami hasn't had the chance to travel that much. Oh, God, he had to have said that. I'm going to say B. The Bo Dallas versus the World Tour? Yeah. All right. These all sound plausible. God. Sweet. I did a good job on this one. <laughs> Yeah, you did. You're going to get me for a third week, Miles. I very well may. 
All right. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you so much, Bob, for joining me as always. Thank you. I'm so glad I have somebody here to like guide me and keep me from, I don't know, wandering into any lion enclosures, whatever it is one does (laughs) as one learns about wrestling. There's so many metaphorical lion enclosures in the metaphorical world of wrestling fandom. Oh, God, Uh, that's so true, actually. It really is. (laughs) Anyway, I want to thank also all of our uh, supporters on Patreon. We really appreciate all you guys. We are up to, uh, I think, $90 on Patreon now, which means we're only $10 away from another bonus episode. The first bonus episode is about Lipstick and Dynamite and will be coming your way very shortly. Also, the next romance novel episode, uh, I believe Bob will be going up very shortly. In fact, it might already be up as you're hearing this. Yes. Depending on when you're listening to this, it is already up. It should be coming to you on Thursday of this week. So that would be Thursday, the 28th of June. It should be it should be there in the feed for you to feast upon. And you know what? If you don't get enough of it, go read that dang book. Yeah, it's good shit, guys. On the subject of our patrons, however, Bob, I have an update for you. Yay! I love updates. Yeah, this is an update actually on the uh, the NXT Wrestling Fan Championship. Oh man! So, but before we get to that, I have to tell you about some some sad news. So you know how on this episode of the Next Wrestling Fan that we just finished covering, Adrian Neville and uh, Corey Graves broke up as a tag team. The the fellowship no. was broken. Yes, I remember. No, wait, I shouldn't say yeah. it that way. So <laughs> yes, I do. I mean, we just talked. About- <laughs> yeah, we no, absolutely just talked about it. We just talked again. about it just now. It was like a minute ago. Don't All you remember right. just now, Bob? Oh, God. Let me take that again. <laughs> yes. And it hurt then. It's still hurting. Unfortunately, something similar happened with the Lords of the Hunt tag team, I'm afraid. <gasps> oh, Our good boy. werewolf boys. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what possessed him to do it, but Rutherford Hunt turned on Seth Luna, breaking up the Lords of the Hunt. So as a result, Bob, you know, they had to have a match. Oh, wow. Yeah, they had to have a match with each other to resolve the feud. And as circumstances would have it, that match ended up being a number one contenders match for (sighs) the NXT Wrestling Fan Championship. And that match was won by Seth Luna, who then went on to face the dominant champion, LaBlanca, who, as you know, Bob, possesses a watch. Oh, my goodness, yes, and not just yes. any watch. A communicator no, no, no. watch. It's also a communicator. <laughs> so it was hard to see, given those unstoppable odds, how Seth Luna, who is, as you might remember, a werewolf, uh, he showed up back in episode 17 of our coverage, could possibly defeat her, particularly since with LeBlanc's mastery of time, she could theoretically use the watch to change the cycles of the moon. Oh, what? Thus robbing Seth Luna of his werewolf powers. <gasps> and indeed, after the match began, at one point, she proceeded to do just that. However, Seth Luna then revealed to LaBlanca the secret of his true nature. You see, much like the werewolves of Twilight. Okay. He's not actually tied to the moon at all. What? He's not even a real werewolf. Yeah, this is this is what some is Twilight obs- about. Dude, this is some obscure world building that shows up literally right at the end of the series and doesn't actually matter, but it's still in the book. He's not even a real werewolf, Bob. Seth Luna is a shapeshifter who has merely <gasps> been taking the form of a werewolf this entire time. Oh, that's cool though. And once he unleashed the full potential of his shape-shifting abilities, LeBlanca simply wasn't able to keep up. There is only so much that a watch can do, believe it or not, even if it's also a communicator. (laughs) And in the end, Seth Luna stood victorious 
and stands victorious today as your new NXT wrestling fan champion. Oh, man. Now, I have to ask, was this some yeah. Madame Mim, Sword in the Stone kind of shenanigans? Absolutely. Where Seth Luna, yes. Okay, so Seth Luna turned into a bunch of things, finally a germ, because that's how this works. Yeah, they proceeded to play the oldest game, and Seth Luna won it because he could shapeshift better. <laughs> yes, I, this is true. LaBlanca has many power, shapeshifting not among them, although... Who knows what LeBlanca is going to do now that she's not the champion. She may go off to a cave and learn dark secrets about shapeshifting. That's true. That's true. I'm just imagining how this would play out in an actual wrestling ring with like the performers like frantically changing in the middle of the ring, changing their costumes. Just wearing various hats, various hats that signify kinds of animals. Anyway, thank you so much to uh, Luke Blunier, who upped his Patreon pledge from $5 to $10, and as a result, received a match for the championship and won the championship, which is something that you can also do by going over to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan. Subscribe at the $10 level to win the title, and for a detailed description of who you are and how you won, subscribe at a lower level for any sort of wrestling name and uh, some descriptions of your wrestling character. And of course, if you are a $5 patron, or up, you are listening to this on Wednesday instead of Saturday. So congratulations to you for that. And congratulations once again to Luke Lunier for being a $10 patron and to Seth Luna for being the new champion. I'm curious, what is Seth Luna's finishing move? What would be a shapeshifter's think, finishing move? I think it's like very deceptive in that mm. it looks like he's about to hit you with one thing and then he hits you with another. Oh, like sneaky. maybe it's like he's about to hit you with a with a power bomb, but instead he goes backward and plants you on your <sighs> face or something like that. Oh, uh, in any case, if you have ideas for that, please tweet us at NXT Wrestling Fan or hit us up on Facebook or email. Uh, but I do know that the name of the move is called The Lunatic. So. Oh, I love it. I like yeah. puns. <laughs> puns are good. You know what else is good, Miles? What's good, Bob? The watch party we had. It was great. I got to see a tuxedo match. It wasn't as sexy as I thought it would be, but that's okay. You know, it was pretty sexy, though. It was William Regal rustling around in his trunks. Yeah, the watch party was super fun. Thank you for everybody who attended. We are not going to have one in June. Is that right, Bob? Yeah, I've got to do my job for June. But in July, I don't have to do anything except whatever I want to do. No, that's not true. But in July, we're definitely going to have one. Yeah, we will have a watch party in July. So uh, keep an eye on our social media for information related to that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. And we will see you again in two weeks. Bye. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.
farewell, Tony. I hope you're fine. Yeah, me too. I couldn't find any information about what he's doing now, so hopefully it's something he enjoys. Is he not on Twitter? Surely, like, every person who has ever been in media is on Twitter. There's way too many Tony Dawson's on there. (laughs) (laughs) I have researched this about as much as I'm willing to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some things were just meant to remain mysteries. That's right. Listeners, if you know what Tony Dawson is up to, (laughs) is he... Living in the woods somewhere. Witness protection. What do you know about Tony Dawson? Please tell us. Listeners, if you are Tony Dawson, please tell us what you're doing right now. (laughs) You have to. You have to. It's the law. 